This episode was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present, with gratitude for thousands of generations of rich culture, storytelling and song. Ko mahanui te tuarua o te wharanui, ko kaitua huriri te hapu, ko kaitahu te iwi, ko Brian Peters tōhoku i koa. Yeah, good to have you here, my friend. <laughs> yeah, nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. A couple of years ago, Brianne Peters didn't even know she was Māori, let alone her pepeha. When I was about 14, my whānau went on a holiday to New Zealand. But it all changed after a trip back home. That was the first time I even thought of being from New Zealand, and I want to say New Zealand because that's how I was thinking of it in my head. It was um, a country where I thought was going to be pretty much identical to, uh, to Australia. Bree had a physical reaction to being home on her whenua. When the plane landed and I stood on the whenua, I just like fell in love completely and everything that I knew before was just gone and I had this, it was like a whole restart button, but it was my, it was my tipuna calling me giving me a path. As the trip went on, Brianne discovered more about her culture. And then there was a moment that solidified what she was feeling. I think the biggest thing that made me want to go, I want to be a part of this, was way later in our, in our holiday, my mum found poys at an op shop. <laughs> so she bought them and then when we got back to the hotel, she showed me. Poys are balls that hang on a thin rope. You might have seen them in a kapahaka performance. They can be swung and bounced off the arms and body to create a rhythm. It's mesmerising to see a large group of people using poi and sink. Bree was stoked just to see her mum do it. And she didn't know much, but it just, like, inspired me so much. And, and I was just so amazed that she, she could do that. And I was, like, questioning. I was like, why didn't you teach me this? Why, why haven't you been a part of something like this in Melbourne? Or is there anything like this in Australia? Like, I was asking all the questions. And then that's when she did all the mahita to find um, te hononga o ngāiwi. And then, yeah, when we came back, that's, that's where my, my journey began with um, tea honey. Like many Māori of her generation, Bree's mum didn't grow up close to her language in Māori tonga. She did do kapaka at school, but it was, yeah, just that whole idea, I think, just through generations of my family where being Māori wasn't really a thing. Yeah, because in their minds, there were a lot bigger things to focus on. Mm. Um, just trying to get by, mm. I think and also just surviving in the Pākehā world of where you have to work, um, you have to earn to survive. Survival in a Pākehā world meant turning away from your language and culture or simply not having enough time to learn about it. But yeah, the only things I knew were from rugby, <laughs> honestly, like, and just stereotypes of what other people would say about my people. So you come back to Australia and tell me about 
what happened next. Yeah, yeah. Um, what happened next is just a whole kaboom of culture. <laughs> Today I'm sitting with Brianne Peters in Nam, Melbourne, on Wurundjeri land. At just 18 years of age, Brie is kicking goals. Over the last couple of years, I've watched her grow as a songwriter and performer, and also as a person. Brie's rangatahi, the Māori word for young people. The first thing that strikes you about Brie is her smile and her laugh. There's a joyfulness about her that's infectious. What I love most is how committed she is to music and her culture. I know for a fact Bree's inspiring other rangatahi in our community to embrace their Māori tanga. So I joined um, Tihani and... I made my whole family go, because <laughs> I was terrified. Tihani is a kapahaka based here in Nam. If you haven't guessed already, a kapahaka is a Māori cultural performing arts group. In Aotearoa, kapahaka is huge. It's celebrated with a national festival each February. The winning group go on to represent Aotearoa at major international events. I went with the thought that I'm really guilty for not thinking of this earlier, for not accepting it earlier. I didn't, I hadn't accepted it then, but just knowing about it, I felt a lot of guilt and I felt a lot of shame because I thought that they, like all of all the people that were there, they just grew up with it. They were always surrounded by it. Yeah, I was just really, really, really scared and really, really guilty and shameful. But I, I wanted to be a part of it so bad. Kapahak is a big deal, but it's also something people do outside of competition for fun. It's a great way to be around other Māori, learn the language through traditional waiata, and just celebrate our beautiful culture. Yeah, as soon as I walked in there, it was just love. Like, I could just feel so much love. And every like just seeing how everyone was towards each other, I felt so connected and warm. And, and um, just being in that room was just like a big hug. Yeah, just, just to know that I was safe, in a safe space to learn. And um, yeah, very quickly I, I found out that I don't need to be shameful or guilty or any of that. But they were there to really support me and help me grow. And, and then to find out that they had very, very similar journeys to me and to see where they were at that time in their journeys was super inspiring. Did you have feelings around not being Māori enough? when you first walked in? Yeah, definitely. The only thought I was thinking my, the first time I went is, I'm not Māori enough to learn any of this. Or, and, and I felt that for a very long time, like I'm talking like years, like even sometimes still I feel not doing this, does that make me less of a Māori? But I know the basics of all things is that if you just fuck up a Māori, then you're Māori. You know, 90% of our group had never done kapahaka before, which has kind of been the theme all the way through uh, to this to this very day where we're not all about finding the best kapahaka 
performers. We're about finding who's hungry, who wants to learn, who wants to develop and, and be a part of this family. Cody Hedemir has worked tirelessly for the past 15 years to create spaces for Māori to practice their language and culture here in Nam. Kia ora, ko Cody Hedemir tōku ingoa. E re rea nā ngātuke mata kahungunu, nō reira nō ngāti kahungunu ki here taunga ahau. I moved to Melbourne in 2007 and Tihani started 2008, so it was a quick, happened very quickly. Uh, my stepbrother approached myself and, and Ria uh, to see if we could tutor a group for a, uh, an RUOK festival in Dandenong. I thought nothing of it, you know, I just thought, yeah, we'll get up, have a jam, and then that'll be that. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, this this kapahaka group, Te Hononga o Ngā Iwi, was born and, and we decided we wanted to keep going. It's all good because um, Trey's going to introduce us. In yeah, <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> Cody's noticed a common need for those who seek out tea honey. Generally, for reconnection or connection, a lot of what we get is... You know, I've been in Melbourne for my whole life. I was born and raised here, or I've been here for over a decade, two decades. Um, I'm bringing my children here. I'm bringing my grandchildren here so that they can reconnect, they can connect to their culture and learn more about who they are. We definitely help that journey and whatever spark is there, you know, we can fuel that. He noticed that early with Bree. With Bree specifically, the spark was already there. It was. The fire was burning, it was blazing, actually. The fact that she's hungry um, makes her the perfect student. Bree was determined and passionate, but also it's scary to seek out your culture. It's a unique combination of guilt, humility and frustration to be a beginner at something you feel like you should already know. I suppose what what, what Tihani is all about, I suppose, is... is n- creating safe spaces by saying, first of all, you don't need to prove anything. You're Māori, it's in your whakapapa, and if you're not Māori, welcome, by the way. <laughs> I know about Bree's unique experience at Tea Honey because as a Māori person living in Nam, it was the first step in my journey of reconnection too. When I walked through the doors here three years ago, I was terrified. Everyone carries some sort of burden. Everyone carries burdens. So when we are able to create the safe space where we can ease burdens, then I suppose, yeah, that's what happens. That's what happens. People feel safe to to be able to grow in in that space. I remember singing through tears as Cody led the waiata on his guitar. What doors can we open using our culture and using reo and kapahaka, how can we empower people so that they can express who they are and connect with themselves, with their families and their culture. And let's create a new home here, which is exactly what we're doing, but we also need to still connect back home, which is why seeing Bree do that, not only connect here, but follow the pathways that were laid before her with her tipuna, following that pathway is really inspiring. Oh, 
Yeah, there's some things going on behind the scenes and in Tea Honey that um, we're planning on putting together a rangatahi group, just where they can be rangatahi, kōrero Māori, um, go on hikoi's, yeah, be Māori as, as rangatahi and what that means in Australia. I don't want any rangatahi feeling that or thinking that they're not Māori enough. How do you feel different? Yeah, yeah. I feel so much more true and, and me Sometimes I think to myself, where would I be now if I was on the same path as I was? And I don't, I have no idea because I can't imagine myself without this. Yeah, now everything I do has something to do with Te Māori. Yeah, even just simple day-to-day things like karakia or speaking bilingually, <laughs> like knowing that you can explain things in different ways, using different words and, and the meaning behind that in, in um, Te Māori. That was the first feeling of yeah embodiment for me being able to call it all maori even if it was just little things being able to haka being able to sing waiata and yeah have there been some people like you know individual people along the way that have modeled that vision or that feeling of being maori to you yeah everyone inspired me in different ways i know casey and fallon and Ria and Lena and all all of these all of these wahine they they all applied themselves differently and they all I'm um, shown differently and then also the boys their energies and and the way they supported the wahine and the way they yeah also the way they applied themselves to Te Ao Māori it very quickly felt like a fano not like a dance group if that makes sense Brie also started to notice a change in her approach to songwriting. Before it was, I had the intention of becoming famous. <laughs> and I had this whole dream. Yeah, I wanted to be pop star. <laughs> um, and yeah, that, that kind of led me to writing songs that I feel other people would enjoy. Yeah, then... Um, finding Te Ao Māori, I started making music just as a revival mechanism, learning about our history and learning about colonization and all of those things. Yeah, I started making music to revive our language, to revive our stories, and also just another way for me to learn. As she became more immersed in Te Ao Māori, the Māori worldview, her relationship to music and storytelling began to deepen. I think the biggest thing that I learnt was the, the spirituality behind our waiata, how divine it really is and how purposeful it is, how you can change tones to tell different stories, how frequencies and going right down to like the waves of the notes, how that can change your state of being as well. And also not writing music with a big plan, but writing it to deliver. And, and I, I see it as the sound of my tipuna, so it's not coming from me. I'm just that medium for it to pass through so it can project outward. <laughs> That's a different approach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? It is. The first song Brie wrote in Te Reo Māori was a unique collaboration. That day, I had gone to Solomon Atofa Ulungaki's burial 
He was the uh, 15-year-old boy that passed away in Deer Park. I think I, I was very um, heavy that day. So I went home and I just did like a, just a clearing meditation. But I was still in that state when I started hearing this song and seeing words. It was the start of a conversation between Brie and her tipuna. So I got my book out and I just started writing those words and they were Māori words. I didn't know what they meant though, but I could hear this really clear tune. I recorded it, I, I popped on my recording and sang those words, or sang the melody, I guess, kind of how I was hearing it in my head. And I was trying to figure out the words. I got a little bit of a vibe from it, but I really wasn't sure what it meant. So I sent it off to Cody, my kapaka tutor, to, to have a read over it and kind of incite me to what it meant. And what he said was really crazy. It was it was about letting a loved one go and um, and just that release of of um, any guilt and shame you might have for for them and um, moving on from that and but knowing it's also okay to to sit into that into those emotions as well yeah so that was the first experience I had with my tipuna giving me waiata As well as shifting her attitude towards her songwriting craft, Bree's expanding relationship with her culture got her thinking more about the Indigenous people of the land she lives on. In primary school, all we learnt was the colonised history, nothing before that. If, if there was anything Indigenous that we learnt, it was, it was like oh, these people were here before and they did these cool paintings. And, and I remember in year four, we had this big poster in our classroom um, and it was art class. And um, we were doing like dot paintings and, and like, yeah, painting indigenous things that now I feel was a totally wrong thing to do. There was no Tangata Whenua guiding us. It was literally our art teacher looking at indigenous artwork and going oh we can copy this and we can copy these things and and why don't you try to do, do some dots there and, and, and all of that. I'm 30 years older than Brie and we both have the same story. Most of us can relate to the lack of First Nations stories and culture at school. The erasure is baked into our education system. I didn't grow up with the, any any knowledge of, um, of our Tanata Fenua, but um now yeah after I joined Tea Honey I think one of the first performances I did, which was about a year and a half after I joined, it was at Amy Park. And we did that alongside Jiddy Jiddy, which are an indigenous women's dance group. And just seeing them and how they embrace their culture. And I'd never seen that before. That was really inspiring. And then after the performance, we all came together and we did some karakia and just had a talk and had a sing. And hearing them talk, Hearing those rangatahi talk, it was all so eye-opening for me. Yeah, that's kind of the thing that clicked for me where I knew this isn't my whenua. I should not be walking around how I was walking around. My whole view of how I respected the whenua just flipped like, I feel this isn't my whenua. Um, whereas before, 
that was never a thought. It was just, this is the land that we're on. I live here. <laughs> There's a forest there. We can walk through there. You know, it was, it was very, um, yeah, kind of like Minecrafty. <laughs> how I think I thought about it but now um just knowing that it's so much more special and deeper than yeah what I what I thought it was I never thought that the process of knowing who I am and where I come from would deepen my connection to the land I'm on if anything I feel grateful to be here and to be so well taken care of I wonder how things shifted for Brie as she came to learn more about and collaborate with First Nations artists yeah yeah I feel like like whenever I go somewhere with the intention of connecting to that to, to that space, to that environment, I always, yeah, first of all, mihi to the Tongata Whenua, um, and then I introduce myself using my pepeha because I know that I am a guest on, on this whenua. Just acknowledging that this whenua has so much history and even the trees, they, they hold so much reo. That's actually something that... Um, I learned from some Tangata Whenua. Um, I just remember them saying, our language isn't lost, it's in the trees, because the trees listen. And then I, and then when I was learning about how um, frequencies and how that can have an effect on literal DNA, knowing that their reo is in the trees, their frequencies are in the DNA of the trees. And I think that's so special. Brie appears all over my new album. One of the first songs she came into the studio to record vocals for was Mana Takatapui. Takatapui is the Māori word for queer. So if you're Māori and identify with the LGBTQI community, then you're Takatapui. Brie and I had never spoken about how she identifies, so I had no idea that during the recording, she was going through her own process. Leading up to that day, as we were getting closer and closer to that day, I kind of was thinking in my head, is, is this just a phase or is this like what I'm what I'm really feeling right now? Yeah, and then and then going into the studio, singing that line. Gay like me is in your dreams and Just like hearing that and singing that. Hey, I know. I think in that moment I was like, yeah, yeah, like I'm this is what I'm going to embody in. Because I've I never said that. I, it, it was always words in my mind. Like, I'd never said out loud to anyone, this is how I'm feeling. So, yeah, singing that especially. <laughs> like, going through my main medium of how I express myself, being able to do that through music, that was, like, really powerful. And I think from that day on, again, I went through that whole acceptance of, of um, who I am and knowing that it's okay, knowing that it's all good and especially having that support from a Māori perspective. That's what I think I felt before Manatakatapui. I, I was trying to figure it, figure it out through a Pākehā lens and I couldn't figure it out. And that's why I was so imbalanced. I think you you were definitely the introduction to the Takatapui world, knowing that there's a Māori world for that. And there are, yeah, there are Māori things and, and Māori groups and inspirational people that, that talk about this stuff. 
that was really that made me feel yeah really connected and, and that's where I kind of felt that acceptance. I'm low-key chuffed that I was Bree's first connection with the Takatapui world. When I wrote the song and made the clip, my biggest dream was that Rangatahi Takatapui would feel seen and that our existence was another reason to celebrate being Māori. Being seen and putting yourself out there can have a huge impact, sometimes on people you don't even know. Yeah, there's a few people on Instagram that I follow that just take so much pride in being Takatapui. Quack is a huge inspiration of mine. Kirifano, <laughs> how are you doing? Very good, very nice to hear that. I just wanted to jump onto this corridor about people getting tamako mokukanohi without being able to fluently speak te reo Māori. They're so cool and, and the way that they um, express themselves is super inspiring. If you can say kia ora, then that's enough for me. Quack Pitahi is a young Takatapui activist dedicated to making life for Rangatahi Māori easier. Quack often refers to themselves as a cheeky little shit. That energy was exactly what I was looking for when I was casting the clip. I think I found out they were going to be in the video when you posted an Instagram post and they were tagged. I was like, whoa, are they a part of this project? This is sick. (laughs) Um, And then they followed me on Instagram. I had a huge fangirl moment. (laughs) Just their ahua in the video. It just made it so enjoyable. There was just so much happiness and... Yeah, so much fun that that they brought to to the video. And yeah, that was so special. And I think so also so important to have in that video. They, They were kind of like, for me, they were like the heartbeat. That joyful energy, something Quack and Brie both have in spades. A passion for their people, the desire to learn their language and to move through life with te ao Māori, the Māori worldview as their guiding light. They say that if you fuck a papa Māori, you are Māori. But I've come to see that when I practice my language and my culture, I feel Māori. Bri is so grounded. I know there's been moments where I've struggled, you know, te reo class or learning a waiata. It can be excruciating getting something wrong in front of your peers. It's nice to know I'm not alone in these feelings. I think one big thing was not being able to keep up with especially poi. <laughs> poi is the hardest. <laughs> and everyone says that, everyone knows it. Like seeing people that have been doing poi for like 15 years and then me wanting to be Maori so badly that I was like so angry I couldn't do poi <laughs> after a day or a couple of hours. Yeah, that just created a void where I was just circling around. You can't do this, you can't do this. You're not worthy of doing this. You didn't grow up like this, so you can't do this. There's been a lot of moments like that, but they were all at the beginning of my journey and I think they were all necessary for me to to be able to grow stronger, stronger from them. And, And eventually it got to a point where I knew no one was judging me for my level of experience or, or, um, yeah, I feel like also just growing up, I always had this thing where I had to be great at everything. Perfectionism can be a huge barrier to learning, but like Brie, 
I've come to see that connecting with our culture means experiencing it all, the joy and the grief. There's so much to unpack and it feels like we're the generations with the access to healing. We're doing the mahi for our tūpuna and for future generations to come. This is trauma healing. The, the package is you're going to be healing everything that's, that's come before you and, and creating all these new things after you. When it comes to healing trauma, I never thought that's what my life mission would be. <laughs> but now, knowing the importance of that, I feel like the generations before me had that very move-on type of type of mindset, even from, from Māori and Pākehā point of views, um, about Indigenous people. It was always, yeah, I always heard that. Um, why don't they just move on? That happened 200 years ago, just move on, <laughs> yeah. But, but now I, I understand why you can't just move on. It's not as easy as just moving on. There, there's so much, there's so much to unpack there and so much mahi to revive what was lost. Just knowing that it's gonna be decades of mahi or to just like get the knowledge of the fundamentals and, and it just made me so angry that we have to do so much mahi to revive that. But also knowing that that's, that can literally change Te Ao Māori. I think that's a huge part of healing trauma is, is um, first you've got to start with that acceptance. I am Māori. You have to start with that acknowledgement of, of your whakapapa, but then also knowing how you can apply yourself to to heal, um, whether it's people or, or reo or a waiata or anything else, just, just how to heal. And I, I feel like our rangatahi Māori are so strong in the way that they do that. I just, I can't wait to see the generations after us and how they're going to embody um, Te Ao Māori and, and what being Māori is because our rangatahi Māori are so inspiring and in, um, they're also so passionate and so proud as well. And it's so awesome to see. Bree has a message for any rangatahi who might be at the beginning of their journey of reconnection. Take that step forward. It's so intimidating at the start and it can feel like you're entering this world that you have no place being in and you're not worthy of learning reo and being a part of kapahaka or any other medium of Māori that you enjoy. But um, knowing that there is a whole world for you that's waiting, that's waiting for you, your, your tipuna are waiting for you. Um, know that you have all the support of your tipuna and all the support of, of Māori. Listening to Bree, I'm reminded of the Fakatoki, Kia Fakatomuri, the Hairi Fakamua. I walk backwards into the future. I, I want to be fluent in Te Reo Māori. I want to be able to have my tamariki grow up speaking Te Reo Māori as their first language. I, I want to do all the mahi I can now to ensure that everything after me 
is Kapai. <laughs> They're all good. There'll be no more trauma healing to do. This was the final episode of Everybody's Trying to Find Their Way Home. Big thanks to the songwriters who have generously shared these conversations. Thea, Dr Lou Bennett, Anna Coddington, Emma Donovan and Brianne Peters. Thanks to the production team. Producer-engineer Mike Williams. Story editor Carla Arnold. The incredible podcast artwork was by Huriana Kopeketeaho. Thanks to Melbourne's Triple R 102.7 Community Radio. This podcast was made possible with funding assistance from the Australia Council for the Arts. And thank you for listening. If you want more, make sure to stream my new album, Kuo Te Awa Ko Te Awa Kuo, or I Am The River, The River Is Me. There's a link in the show notes. And also, depending on where you hear this, I might be doing a live show near you. I'd love to see you there. In the meantime, ka kite te whanau.